Nothing behind the scenes has surprised me to some degree. One year in. Spencer Duncan was elected to Topeka City Council right before the pandemic changed the inner workings of local government. How has a pandemic-altered year impacted his ability to make the changes he campaigned on? Part one of our multi-part series. Then, we'll keep you up to date on some local government stories that you might have missed. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I'm not sure what time you're listening to me right now, but I'm just glad that you are. My name is Blaze Mesa, and you're listening to the news from our city. Hello, Kansas. Thank you very much. Hello, Kansas. From the steps of City Hall. Let's move forward together. Let's move forward in unity. To the county commissioners. This outbreak is running ahead of us big time. We've got your local government news right here. Motion carries 3-0. Next item. I, Spencer Duncan, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear, dozens of people were standing shoulder to shoulder and none of them were wearing masks. And there was nothing wrong with that. It was January 13th, 2020. And the Constitution of the state of Kansas. New city council members were being sworn into office months before the virus was a priority. Little did they know, their first year in office would be different than intended. Of the city of Topeka. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And I can imagine you didn't campaign on pandemic or (laughs) coronavirus. There are probably other issues you had at hand. And I don't know to what level the pandemic had kind of slowed down or changed the priorities that you really wanted to touch on in your first year. But let's kind of circle back to just the base level. What were you hoping to accomplish year one in Topeka City Council? Well, I always said when I when I ran that my priorities were always through one prism, and that is how do we stop people from leaving Topeka and how do we get people to come to Topeka, right? I try to make a lot of my decisions based on how that impacts that. But it also involves taking care of folks who are here. So infrastructure, public safety, uh, those were always the big two, and they they remain the big two. And so we did we, – we tackled some of that, but the pandemic – it, I won't say that it stopped us from dealing with those issues. It just rearranged how we had to deal with those issues because we've had financial problems and we've had police and fire who've had to reprioritize because when you're in a pandemic, it impacts how you how you you know patrol things and and help people. And so those are the kind of ways it's been impacted. So I won't say it knocked me off of those priorities, but it it changed the landscape of how you approach them. Did it slow down your ability to do any of them particularly? Like, not to say that you'd look back at your first year and be like, man, I didn't do anything. But were you hoping to at least accomplish more? Yeah, I think so. I, I'll tell you where it slowed down to some degree. Um, I I think I've always said that priorities need to be decided by the citizens. And there's email. There's phones. We now know that there is Zoom and other outlets. But there's not communal discussions there's not i mean i haven't been able to have town halls in person i haven't been able to walk doors in the neighborhood quite the same and so that's where to me the biggest impact is i still take calls and i still hold things over online but it's different it's a different atmosphere and so i hope we're addressing the needs of the people in my district in the city um but there's there's some days it feels like a little disconnect in that that i'm really trying to make sure doesn't get too far away from us 
Well, then, did that end up changing maybe any of your priorities? If you're getting less feedback or, I guess, maybe different feedback yeah. or different avenues, does that kind of change where you want to focus things or did that happen at all? Uh, I think it did once originally when the pandemic hit because it be- we became so focused on that. Um, as we should have been to some degree in terms of making che- p- sure people are safe, how is it hitting us financially, making budget adjustments, taking care of our, our employees. That really became a lot of the focus. So it knocked me off that path. And I think the last few months, I think towards the end of the la- end of last year, the, the third fourth quarter, I, I've been able to recalibrate a little, um, partly because things have gotten I won't say better, but we've adjusted as society to some of those issues and figured it out. So, yeah, I've had to recalibrate and, and get refocused on some of those issues. Well, how does the vaccine rollout help that? Because I can imagine March, sometime in the summer, even really November and October when there was that yeah. second surge in Shawnee County, your focus was probably how do I keep my constituents, the people in my district, like alive and right. safe? But now that the vaccine is here, it's a matter of how do I get it rolled out to people? Does that free you up to do more of your priorities or to kind of refocus and recalibrate like you were saying? Or is there still a pretty heavy emphasis Yeah, a on- little bit. I mean the problem is and, – and Shawnee County, our health, our health department has done a great job in terms of prioritizing. The, the issue that we have as a city and as a county is – and it's not their fault – is the availability of vaccine. I mean, there's there's federal issues, there's state issues, which trickle down to then the county and the city. I mean, I think we're we're not getting certainly the number of vaccines that a lot of areas are. So we're at a slower pace. So yes, to some degree, there's more confidence now that we're, we're turning a tide, but we could still be several months away from that. Fully being able to say, okay, we got 50% vaccinated or whatever that magic number is, and so yeah, we we haven't turned it yet. And and that's a frustration. But give us a bit of a look behind the scenes then through your first year of city council. I'm assuming it wasn't exactly what you expected, again, because of the pandemic. But trying to put that aside as much as possible, what was it like? Did you feel like you were able to spend enough time on things or did you kind of get overwhelmed with all that happened? No, I've been able to spend enough time on things. I mean, I, I, I told people when I got elected, I mean, my day job is association management and government affairs work. And I had some smaller clients and I told people when I got elected that I would put them off to someone else so that I could focus. So that, you know, I still have to have a job and I'd still do my job. But but I, I, I did prioritize knowing that uh, city council. So I, I've been able to have enough time. Nothing behind the scenes has surprised me to some degree. I mean, having a background already and being up at the state capitol and in city government and stuff, I, I understand the processes of how the government should work, does work, and how you get things through. You know, now adjusting to our own uniqueness of city hall in Topeka, that was that's that's the challenge. You know, getting to know the the staff and the personalities and and the little anything that's unique to a to a specific place. Like, oh, how do how does this city manager like to operate? Okay, how does this department head operate? Great. Now that I know that, and we can build some relationships. I think that was part a lot of your first year one too is building relationships with your staff. To, so that you can have a good working relationship. So when you want to get something done, they know you know you, you, you get that those quicker exchanges. Okay, Spencer, I know how what you mean. You know what I mean. Now let's do it. 
you know, and, and that ta that's taken some time to adjust to. But um, I think we're a year in. I think I've gotten used to that a little bit too. So then drawing on the experiences you've had from your first year, how do you think that's going to help you moving forward and trying to accomplish some of those recalibrated priorities? I think quicker, I hope. I mean, like I said, now that I better understand um, how, how, quote unquote, we like to do things in Topeka, you know, some of that I'm trying to change to some degree, not that it's bad, but different. And others, you just, it's just the process itself. I've always said, and I knew this before, people keep asking me one year in, What's it like? Do you are you having fun? I guess do you enjoy it? And I say absolutely. And some people don't you get mad and frustrated? And I said, well, I knew what I was getting into. I said the only thing that frustrates me now is the same thing that frustrated me before. Is there are some things you cannot get done immediately. It doesn't mean we won't get them done, um, but you can't get them done overnight. And that's just a frustration of bureaucracy and government that that's inherent in the process. But I hope now. With a year in and having some of the new knowledge that I have, we can speed up some of that frustration and say, yes, it's, there's still a process here, but we can see forward momentum. I promise. So then what are some of those things, if you can kind of nail down the things that just can't get done overnight that you really wish could get done overnight? Um, well, we need to do better. Partially, I do believe this is a city problem, but we've got some areas where there's blight or abandoned properties that they've got to be taken care of. Now, there's also property rights issues associated with that, legal issues, some, some that were handicapped by the state level in terms of the process we have to use. Um, and I wish I could just go in and, and take care of that property tomorrow that we know has all been sitting there for a couple years, but I can't. What I can do, though, is start that process and make sure we see it through to the end and that we don't keep going backwards. You know, That's a big one in this city in terms of dealing with some of those blighted problems. That, that And I think we're finding some ways to, to address that. When you say properties, are you referring to where people live in their homes or places like the White Lakes Mall? that have Both. Okay. We've got some areas of town where I think the neighbors can point to you and say, that house has been abandoned for a long time. And yes, letter of the law says they've boarded it up, but it's been six years and nobody's lived there. Well, it's time for us as a city to fix that, to find a way to either force that property owner to, to do something about it, get them to sell, whatever that is, so that that neighborhood can reclaim that property and, and make it a, a place of interest. But white, places like White Lakes are absolutely a big one because those are huge th – those places – really tear down neighborhoods and whole areas of, of industry if you don't get them fixed. I know you'd kind of mentioned, and we talked a little bit ago about investment in Topeka, and one thing you really kind of wanted to harp on was each individual neighborhood having like a, a development plan. Mm -hmm. Can you go a little bit more depth into that? What exactly does that kind of look like? Yeah, so obviously right now people are talking a lot because we, it's very always in front of everybody about the downtown master plan, and that's great. We should have and need a downtown master plan. I have no issue with that. And we have a lot of our NIAs or neighborhood other neighborhood associations who have put together um, – they're not what I'd call full-fledged master plans, but they are some ideas, development plans for their community that says this would be great in our area. But we have not had a concentrated, concerted effort to take this city into those neighborhoods and say, okay, now as a city – in, in, in a cooperation with the partnership, similar to what we've done with the downtown master plan, create master plans for each of those different areas of the city. And there's probably different ways to, to segment those up. You know, generically, it'd be the East Topeka area, the North Topeka area, the West Topeka area. You know, and then there's some various ways to break it up. But then you would have target, more targeted development. I can't tell a developer where to go. 
and where to put their property. But I can say if they say to me, I'm looking for this, I can have a master plan that says, well, you know what? We've got an area over here in Eastern North Beach. It'd be great for you because look at what they're trying to do and look at this master plan put together for that area. And we just, we don't do that. And, and I think that would go a long way towards development citywide. You're on with council member Spencer Duncan. So kind of getting back to the main theme of the conversation today, when you do think about things like we need to set up downtown or not downtown master plans individual neighborhoods kind of master Mm -hmm. plans how does the pandemic kind of handcuff you in that way or how has it in your first year because that doesn't sound incredibly difficult to at least talk about but i can imagine the physical proceedings of that on top of like how do we get out the right messaging on the virus and this and that could get maybe muddied up yeah that's a plan that that is one that completely has been disrailed by the pandemic and, and coronavirus. And, and it's not because the virus itself stops you from doing planning. It does mean, though, that to actively engage businesses in a community to get their input and citizens in the community who right now are just trying to stay in business, their focus they, – they're trying. I mean people can – People can multitask and speak and do a good job of it at times. But but when they're just saying, man, I'm just trying to keep my doors open and I think that's a great idea, but I don't have time right now to focus on that, that that I think has hindered the process significantly. So our focus has had to be on on just keeping businesses in this town and continue to recruit as they get through the pandemic, let alone work on a master plan. But But we've got to keep that in the forefront over the next year. At least through conversations you've had with some of your colleagues, I'm wondering what you may think the timeline – and this is probably the impossible question of like right. when we can <laughs> put COVID in the rearview mirror, although I guess theoretically we'll never be able to. Right. Be right. But like at what point do these conversations kind of kick up again and kick up strong enough to where you can interact with people and they aren't worried about, you know, going under because I can only do dine-in or, or takeout right. because my restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you even have a timeline or an idea when those conversations could come? No, of I mean, start? I try to watch the trends nationally in the Midwest, and I think as we touched on, we try to look at what the, where the vaccines are going to be. I, that doesn't mean that we have to say, well, we can't do any of this until June or July. I mean, I think the approach needs to be slow. So in terms of reopening stuff, it's, you know, we may be able to do that in a month or so if we, as the vaccine picks up. I mean, I've always been optimistic, like I think a lot of, of I hope, Kansans. And I, I'll give you perspective as my day job. I, I do a lot of planning for education for different people with licenses. We moved everything from the first and second quarter to the third and fourth quarter this year. So I guess that would tell you that my hope is by the third and fourth quarter of this year, come July of this year, we might have some a little more normalcy. And that's kind of based on what you see in vaccine rollouts and, and precautions. And so that's kind of my goal. I would hope that we could all by July, into June, July, say, okay, it's not gone, but whew, we, can, we can do some stuff now this su- starting late summer. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the pandemic has ruined many lives, and there aren't many positives we can take from it at all. So I don't want this next question to seem like, <laughs> right. I'm like, hey, what are the positives of it? But I'm wondering, are you at least happy, grateful, or whatever, that you were in a position of power to make some decisions when all this was going on? I mean, I hope I helped. Uh, I guess yes. I mean, it's always nicer uh, in these issues, in these situations, to say, "Hey, I was there, and I, I hopefully did my part to make things better for everybody." I guess uh, the citizens will decide that one to some degree. But yeah, I'm glad I was in the room at times, and I'm glad I was able to have input and suggestions and and kind of understand what was going on and, and play a part in that. And I hope we've done the best we can. I mean, it, it's been an odd situation. Um, especially in the first year to realize where some of the divisions of things fall with the county versus the city. 
And, and we had discussions at times. Well, you know, what is our authority versus the county's authority? Can we overstep it, understep it? You know, those were fascinating discussions, and those were very unexpected in year one. But I, I hope we've all worked through it as best as we can. And it sounds like you're referencing more specifically, like the county health officer and the county health department is making these COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm health orders and it's not so much like you or the city voting on them it's the commissioners and you're just kind of sitting there like oh okay yeah. you made those decisions. and we had input i mean i certainly would pick up the phone and talk to my commissioners or and say hey great i support you here and i supported a lot of what they did i mean i'm good with masks people want to be mad at that so be it you know i've had a few disagreements here and there i'm good for instance i'm good i've been perfectly fine with the limitations on people and places i've had issues with the way we do the hours you know why are we letting some restaurant a restaurant stay open certain hours versus a bar can't and and i get what they've said i just have some but so i've been able to express that and i think at times they've listened but as a city we haven't had the authority to to say no we're not going to do that if we didn't want to and that's okay to some level um we did have discussions to be perfectly honest at times before there were some mask mandates if we as a city should do it hey if the county's not going to act in this area should we enact something as a city? And and the couple times we did have those conversations, they became moot because then the county did act. But so we did we did have those talks at times as a as a city, you know, very among some of our members. Well, then how did that again kind of impact your first year on council? Not to say that they may be wasted discussions or right. time wasted, but it, could it have been kind of a bit of a time draw to say, hey, maybe we should implement this mask order in case the county doesn't do it? Oh, they did it. Never mind. Those right. conversations are kind of, right. we're good. We didn't need them. Did that right. come up at all? Like, why are we doing this? Why no, I mean, I think preparedness is important. And I think you have to have those discussions to be prepared for, for whatever the scenario is. I also tell people, it's not like we spent hours on that discussion, you know, and they were all, they were all, um, they weren't big too formal. I think we discussed it at one or two council meetings in public. I mean, but we didn't waste a lot of time. And it's interesting. I posted something on um, my Facebook page yesterday regarding the Menninger Tower. And one of the comments I got was, well, why are you – don't waste your time on this when we have all these other things to do. And I said, well, you know, we can do multiple things at once. And, in fact, if we're not, we're not being a very effective government if we're not doing more than one thing at once. So, so I don't think always talking about one thing magically says, well, I can't address these other issues. You're right. You have to make sure you're not wasting too much time on it. There is a tipping point where you're like, whoa, we have spent way too much time on this. But I always think it's good to at least have those initial conversations and make sure that you're prepared for, for whatever the scenario is. But we've at least been focusing on coronavirus, the pandemic. And I want to kind of briefly sidestep over into some of the decisions on police reform and some of the special meetings and councils yeah. that were held as well. I'm not quite sure if that took up as much time as maybe the pandemic, but I also don't know if that was 100% something you were preparing to address your first year on council. Um, so what was that like, some of those special meetings? How did that kind of fall in line with your priorities? Yeah, well, I mean, public safety was a priority, and that certainly fits into public safety. I mean, the public safety goes both ways. It's important for us to to make sure that our officers can do their job appropriately. It's also our job to protect our citizens you know, from from anyone, whether that's me as a council person making poor decisions or or officers or whatever that is. So it's, it's not just towards them. But um, so, yeah, I, I think those conversations were healthy. I think it's always healthy. We may disagree at times about where to go, but I would much rather have those conversations than let those issues uh, bubble up into into real problems. 
I don't know what's going to come out of the committee yet. I mean, I've watched the meetings like anyone. I'm not on it. Um, and I think they're going to make some recommendations. And then I am more than open to saying these are great recommendations or is there something missing? I mean, I, I, I had no problem stepping up right away and introducing the no-knock warrant ban when, when that's what people told me we needed. And I worked with both the, 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 those who are, want police reform and our officers union, and we got something done. So it is possible. You can't actually get this stuff done, you know. And so I think that's time well spent. I think policing, policing not only is essential to the safety of our community, it also eats up a lot of our budget. So and, and so those should always be discussions that we're having. Mm-hmm. And then to kind of reflect back as much as you can on your first year, I mean, you mentioned some of the things you campaigned on. And like yeah. you said, pandemic kind of came up and then just all the social justice movements. Not to say that those weren't your priorities, but right. those probably weren't top of mind right. public safety was when you were campaigning. <laughs> right, but that's and yeah. I won't say that's different. But, yeah, the way that came about was a little different. Um, it, it was it escalated a little quicker to those conversations. So how do you feel about your first year on council? Then Are you happy with what you've done? Is there maybe any things in hindsight you're like, well, I wish I would have done X, Y, or Z? Yeah, I mean, I mean for the most part, I, I'm I'm pretty happy. I mean, I think there's some things I wish we'd uh, maybe I don't know if gotten done quicker is not right. It took us a little while to get the zoo thing worked out, but you you want to get it right, you know. So we had a lot of meetings. I. Um, I, I think we saw some movement. I think how we spend our dollars on our community improvement projects moving forward, it, we're, gonna, we're in that discussion now. And my first year to that was kind of a rude awakening. Looking back, I'm like, man, why didn't I ask that question? And ooh, why did I vote for that over here? You know, not not that they messed up the system, but I feel like. I have more of a voice now that I'm ready this year because I understand that process much better and I can jump in now right away and say, okay, I got all these questions. We're going to make sure we get them covered, which then helps us make better decisions. And so that's the kind of stuff I look back and like, okay, I should have asked this, but now I know what to do now that I've been through that process. And same with the budget process. We're going to have a tough budget process. Been through it twice now, actually, because we did a budget right when I got here, and then we had to redo the budget because of the pandemic. So I kind of went through two budget processes in one year, and so I'm much more ready for that discussion now, too. Okay, got it. That was every question I at least had on my list. Is there any topic or something we didn't touch on that you'd like to? No, nothing in particular. I mean, like I said, the... I think it's important, and I keep telling people, reach out anytime and just have the conversation. It's it's weird in these times, like I said, when you can't just walk up to me at the meetings and, and I haven't had town halls or that stuff. But technology has shown us that I'm still just a Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, phone number or whatever, email away from being able to communicate. And, and I think, that's, I think that, that's the biggest thing people want a lot of times is just an ability to have a conversation with the people they've elected we're not always going to agree i mean i have plenty of conversations with people where we do not totally agree but we also don't disagree to the point where i can't stand them and they can't stand me and they know that the next time something comes up they can still call me and hopefully we'll agree and i think that's the only kind of dialogue that's going to get us get anything done in, around here yeah. well council member spencer duncan the eighth district i appreciate you stopping by yeah thank you Let's catch you up on some stories that didn't quite make it into print. No Topeka City Council this week, so we'll focus exclusively on the Shawnee County Commission. At its February 22nd meeting, the commissioners approved memorandums of agreement with six counties for emergency holding of prisoners. The agreement allows Shawnee County prisoners to be moved to other facilities. Uh, These have been very helpful 
when it comes to certain situations and uh, such as when they've had a flooding and electricity and stuff that have gone out in other facilities and we use these again these are part of our um, uh, uh, continuity of uh, operation plan Brian Cole, director of the Department of Corrections, said these agreements haven't been used for anything COVID-19 related. On to the human resources side of things, commissioners also approved a contract to carry over funds from both health and child care HSA accounts from 2020 to 2021. Good morning, Commissioners. Angela Lewis with Human Resources. I think we'd all agree that due to COVID, many appointments were canceled and daycares were closed, and there wasn't a, a good way for people to know how much they should have kept for 2020. And finally, Shawnee County is looking for a new bank. And kind of. The commissioners approved a request for a proposal for banking services, which allows Shawnee County to see how much it would cost to bank with certain companies. Betty Greiner, Director of Audit Finance, said the county last issued this request in 2012 and switched to UMB Bank in 2013. This in no way uh, says that we are unhappy with our relationship, you know, with our current bank. We have been very pleased with them. We just think that, um, you know, given the time that has passed, it's time for us to do an RFP and and just make sure we're being good stewards of of, uh, county resources. That is going to do it for us here today. My name is Blaze Mesa, and that was the news from our city. Follow us on our social medias to keep up to date on all the Capital City news you desire. We are at Topeka Capital Journal on Facebook and Instagram, or CJ Online for Twitter. It's been an honor, a pleasure, and a privilege, but I'll see you all next week.